Welcome to the Power of the Purse podcast, the only show connecting women professionals to their peers. This isn't just about money. This is about life. And now the host of the Power of the Purse podcast, Lynn S. Evans. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Lynn S. Evans, and I am the host of Power of the Purse podcast. There was a time in my life not too long ago when I believed three things about money. One, women are not supposed to talk about or be included in any conversations about money. Two, women don't have the natural ability to understand anything about money. And three, men know best how to manage money. And those truths I made up about money guided me for years, until I realized money was not a foreign language or some other obscure academic exercise. And it was something I could not only understand, but teach to other women. Too many times I've heard stories from women who ought to know better but didn't, until they were forced to, because of divorce, widowhood, job loss, or the approach of retirement. This podcast will add another chapter to an ongoing informative conversation about financial topics women should be more knowledgeable about. My mission is to help women reduce their financial illiteracy and develop a healthy relationship with money. With that in mind, my guest today is Gwen Sherrick Elberson. Okay, <laughs> Gwen is uh, a Medicare guru with a group that's called the Boomer Health Group. And it couldn't be more timely for us to be discussing this right now, given that we are in that time period when you have to make decisions about what kind of Medicare program you're going to be involved in for the next year. So... Um, let's jump right in here. You have an article that's called Five Tips for the Season. And I love every one of them because they are really, they are right on point. So let's start there. And I want to say before I, I get into this that you and this group, the Boomer Health Group, that's all you do. So it's not like you are doing this for the season like some accountants do things for tax season, you do this all year round. All right, Correct. so here we Correct. go. This short article will point out a few of the most common problems that we see. That friend that says that pays nothing and tells you that you're overpaying, they most likely have an HMO-style Medicare Advantage plan. They likely don't know that if they step out of their network they may have zero coverage if they have chemo or radiation enter their world they pay 20 percent of a large number if they need 18 sessions of PT they pay $30 each time if they want to go to the Mayo Clinic they can't moral of the story don't listen to your friends I love that because I think I had a conversation with my sister this past weekend about the same thing and she felt very comfortable and confident in having one of those plans I said okay fine but let's talk about the difference between a Medicare Advantage plan and a Medigap plan please define them okay Medicare Advantage just like you said um, is based on what people are very familiar with in their under 65 healthcare. Um, there's networks, they're a PPO or an HMO. 
Um, you have to stay in your network doctors. If you do not, you'll pay out-of-network costs. Um, you have out-of-pocket costs for doctor visits, specialist visits, physical therapy, um, skilled nursing. There's some holes in the skilled nursing over 20 days. In most of those plans, there are um, you'll have a, a, a coinsurance for, I think I said, hospital stays. Um, and they can cap. They can cap things. So um, if you have a double knee replacement and you need physical therapy, uh, we've heard many times after, you know, 10 sessions, they say, okay, well, we're not paying anymore or you're going to pay more when the physical therapist might say, oh, they need at least 10 more sessions. But in these type of plans that are managed care plans, just like um, under 65 health care, uh, there's not a large um, voice that you have. It's pretty. It's it's definitely managed by mm-hmm. the carrier. Yeah, and then the other type you're calling it Medigap, which is what we think is the it traditional is Medicare Plus. Yeah. Yes, I think that people get confused about the term Medicare supplement in general. Because the supplement portion is the 20% that Part A and B of Medicare do not cover. What people do not realize is that they do have two choices in a supplemental plan. One being the Medicare Advantage, like we just discussed, and then the other being a Medigap. You are correct. We find out in our um, when we do seminars and just generally speaking with our clients, a lot of people aren't even exposed to Medigap. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what it is. Um, it's a very different plan. It is a plan that is from an independent insurance carrier. Um, the government has, we call it the alphabet soup. There's A, B, C, F, G, N, and they all cover different things. The biggest caveat that I want people to understand with these is there are no networks. You can go to any doctor that takes Medicare, which is a majority. I don't know the exact percentage. I want to say like 90% of the doctors in the United States. Um, No networks. You can go to the Mayo Clinic. You can go to MD Anderson. Um, There are no out-of-pocket costs. You go to the doctor and you pay zero. You go to a specialist, you pay zero. If you have a double knee replacement on a Medigap plan, you go to physical therapy and you pay zero. If you stay three nights in the hospital on a Medigap plan, you pay zero. So you can see there's a very large difference in coverage between the two. Um, What attracts people to Medicare Advantage plans is, like you said, well, I don't pay anything. I don't pay anything. I don't pay a premium where you will pay a premium per month with a Medigap plan. But what you need to understand is the Medicare Advantage is like a cafeteria plan. It's great if you don't use it, if you're healthy. You're not paying any of those out of pocket. But if you tend to start using it and get sick, that's where your expenses come in. And a lot of times those expenses far outweigh what you paid in premium per month for that Medigap plan. Yeah. Yeah, if you did, and I think correct. on average, isn't it? Um, it's about a over a hundred dollars, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty something per person. If you take an average in my zip code, um, it's it's based mm-hmm. on 
zip code. So if you're just aging into Medicare and you're just turning 65, let's take that example. You are turning 65, it's based on your zip code, your gender, tobacco or non-tobacco, and then it will bring me up an entire list of the rates mm-hmm. in that area. And that is, that's, and it's yeah. average about 120. Some states are more, you know, um, urban areas tend to be a little bit more, more populated yeah. areas, you know. So it, kind of like yeah, home and auto, to be honest with you. It sounds, it, it, it sounds odd when you're talking about healthcare that they may rate it like home and auto, but it does have to do with the population in the claims that are paid out and if it's urban and it's a dense population, things like that. So all things to keep uh, in mind. On top of that, a lot of people, and this is another one of those things, maybe this is point number six in your (laughs) your stuff, but people think that their medications are covered under these Medicare Advantage and Medicare Gap plans and, and they are not. So tell us about that next piece. Well, medications usually, um, with a Medicare Advantage plan, you can get an MA plan that does cover medications, and you can get an MA plan that um, does not cover them, and then you can get a standalone Mm -hmm. Part D plan. You can do either of those with a Medicare Advantage. Now, a Medigap does not, a Medigap policy does not cover Part D, and if you have a Medigap policy, you always need to get a part D plan that to costs pair with about that. $35. Now, I would say it depends mm-hmm. on your medications. It depends on your state. I just um, was talking with a gentleman from Pennsylvania, as a matter of fact, this morning. And there are 72 drug plans available in that state. Michigan has 29 oh. for 2019. So it really varies by state, again, zip code. Um, so... If you're in a Med Advantage plan and you go with a certain carrier, I want a Medicare Advantage plan with this carrier and I want my drugs built in. Well, you see that you're limited by their drug plan Mm -hmm. and their formulary. If you choose a Medigap for this gentleman from Pennsylvania, if he's going to choose a Medigap, and I pulled up 72 drug plans that he could choose from. So when I put his medications in, it pulls up the drug plan that's going to cost him the least out-of-pocket per year based on his medications. So you can see he had 70, 72 choices where somebody on a Medicare Advantage plan has one choice, and it's the choice of the carrier yeah. that they're going and, with. And that's right there is where I, I see the true value of your group because if somebody's looking at 72 plans – and they they go into overwhelm because they don't know what to pick. Um, you your ability to to walk them through that process is extremely important because you know people just don't even know where to start. I know eyes glaze over when they talk about doing this kind of stuff and picking the so called right plan. So having someone like you and your organization who is so deeply invested in all of this, like it just cut through the crap, you know, and you say, okay, here's what you need. And this is how it should be. You got to trust that there's somebody else out there that knows more about this than most people do. And I think that's a huge gift uh, for most people to have someone like what you guys do. Oh, it's great. 
You know, we absolutely love it. Um, we are so education driven and that's what we've based our entire business platform on because just like you said, people start approaching 65 and they are getting inundated with mail and phone calls. And believe it or not, there are still people that walk up to your front door and knock on it and ask you if you want to sit down and talk about Medicare, which is crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it happens. And people let them in. And a lot of times they walk in with Medicare and they're walking out with a $100,000 annuity. So unfortunately, those things happen. We only do Medicare. We specialize in Medicare. Medicare keeps us busy 24-7. There's so much to know. People get very confused and frustrated, and I think they get to the point where they're so beaten down by all these phone calls and, and letters. And these, these things that come in the mail oh, yeah. look very official. They have figured out how to make it look very official. Important, must reply immediately. And, and people don't know whether it, it's really official or most of it's just junk mail. I went, I went through a, a stack with one of my clients. Actually, she had like 24 pieces. Oh. Of mail that she had received. Well, I did too. I got a lot of them. And I think the point is too, not just when you're turning 65, but every year, because you have the option to make a choice in this time frame that we're in right now, you still get inundated with all this junk because everybody wants you to switch, you know, at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. People are buying lists. There's people out there that buy lists and they just go one by one by one. And that's that's where the baby boomers are just getting absolutely pummeled with this stuff. So, again, back to what we do, we work through a lot of financial channels, um, advisors, CPAs. We do a lot of community ed workshops and seminars. We just really try and get out to tell people what their choices are. As long as we feel that we have done our job in educating people and telling them, what's in the fine print we feel good that whatever choice they make was a choice they made based on education yes an educated choice let me talk about one other thing in here because i think this is important one of the five points that you made in this article the third one was pre-existing conditions and most people are of the mind that once you turn 65 and you're in Medicare, you don't need to worry about that anymore. But we know that that's, that's a big myth. So tell us more about that. So um, this comes back to a lot of the media and a lot of the fine print. You know, when you're reading something and it sounds too good to be true, you really need to look at the asterisks. And look at the bottom because what happens to people, especially when it comes to Medicare Advantage plans, and I'm not saying Medicare Advantage does not have its place, but there are a lot of things that are omitted when it's being portrayed to the general public. If you don't like it, you can change it in a year. True, but there's always a but. If you don't like that and you say, oh, I thought that was a great plan, but now I really wasn't sick, but now I've, I've developed this condition and now I'm actually using my Medicare Advantage plan and I'm paying out of pocket and co-pays and co-insurances and it's killing me. I want to change to that Medigap. Well, if you were diagnosed with a chronic condition that cannot pass underwriting, you are not going to pass 
to get into a Medigap plan. And that's what people don't know. And that's what is not being told on the commercials and everything like that. You know, there's some gaps in there with mm-hmm. skilled nursing. Skilled nursing is covered in Medigap. Over 20 days of skilled nursing on a Medicare Advantage, you're into your 80-20 co-insurance. Um, very, you have to comb and, and, and peel the onion back on these things to the point where there's nothing left but the core. Because it can really, really mess people up. And I've seen it mess people up, and it costs them thousands of dollars. One other thing, Gwen, when, when when people, a lot of baby boomers, I, I should say, but they do a lot of traveling, and they go to foreign countries. And I've heard the horror stories about people who have had certain kinds of Medicare coverage, and they are in another country where they're not, nothing is covered. Which one of those plans is the one you'd want to have if you were someone who did a lot of traveling or anticipated doing a lot of traveling? Well, um, traveling nationally, intrastate, United States, you're covered. You're covered anywhere. If you have a med advantage like we talked about, you're going to be out of network. If you have Medigap, it's you can go anywhere to any hospital. Now, if you travel abroad... You will be covered the 20%. So you, A and B will cover you the 80. You will be covered the 20% by either your Medigap or Medicare Advantage. But that Medicare Advantage is really, really going to cost you being out of the country and having all those, those co-pays and things okay. that you're going to have to pay for. Now, the big thing that we try to teach people, and this is huge, and we've had two different scenarios in this is if you're traveling abroad, you want to look into if you're doing, if you go through a travel agent or if you book it by yourself, still seek out a travel agent or somebody that specializes in trip insurance. Because if there is a situation where you have a heart attack, um, actually Joanne, my colleague's uncle, I think it was her uncle, he was in Mexico, had a heart attack and had to be flown home. Medical evacuation is not Mm. covered. So they were responsible for that flight from Mexico to Texas. Now, if you were in the contiguous United States, that's covered for you. So traveling abroad, you need to look into trip insurance. Very, It's very reasonable and worth every penny. You know, you don't like to think about things like that, but they happen. And we've seen them happen. So we just really like to warn people about things like okay. that. Let me take a little segue here and go into another aspect of this podcast that I'm really interested in knowing more about you and your relationship to money when you were younger and how that has colored the choices you've made as an adult. So tell us about what was your family life like when you were growing up? Um, very traditional. When you think of a traditional family, stay at home mom, my dad worked. Um, I often remember my father having the bills all laid out on the kitchen table, you know, um, going through, I I don't remember my Mm -hmm. mom being a part of that process, to be honest with you. I don't remember them ever sitting down together and discussing it. It was definitely a traditional, my dad handled the money, my mom handled the house and, and that's really how I grew up. Um, I worked, I, I worked from a young age. 
um, had my own money, but of course at that age from 14 to 18, I don't know how much thought do you really put into it? I've got money for gas in my car and to go out this weekend. (laughs) You were self-reliant at a young age. I love it. Uh, What's your first memory around money? My first memory around money. Probably that. Just my dad. I I mean, I just remember every month my dad having that, those bills spread across. Mm -hmm. My dad was a small business owner. And so um, there were, I do remember discussions about payroll and how are we going to make payroll and, you know, just, it was always kind of a concern in our family, but yet he still handled it. So I guess that's my, my first memory is just that dad handled it and it was always going to be handled. And so if you needed money for something other than when you were older and you could work for it, who did you go to your mom or your dad? Probably my mom, because my dad worked a lot. So I probably did go to my mom, but I'm assuming that that came down (laughs) from the top of how much money. (laughs) And I kind of have a feeling there were times that I got money from my mom that perhaps my dad didn't know about either. (laughs) Yeah, from her private stash. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of remember my mom digging in her wallet and saying, here, but... You didn't see where that came from. So <laughs> I like that. That's good. So well, it's good, no, but it's, sad all at the I, same I think, time, right? Thank I God. think no matter who I speak to about these topics, everyone always tells me, and I can say this is true in my own life as well. Mom's kind of had a way of stashing money somewhere for these so-called emergencies. Usually it was something to do with kids. And somehow or other, that money came around when you really, really needed it. But it was never discussed with Dad. Absolutely. Here, just take this and go do what you need. So that it's exactly. That's on a need-to-know basis. Exactly. So what (laughs) lessons about money did you learn when you were growing up? Um, I did learn, well, it's kind of a joke in my family. It's not really funny, but it is a joke. I... I was not great with money. I, we still had government class back then. So at least you learned, which I don't think they even do anymore, mm-hmm. how to balance a checkbook, you know, things like that, kind of about vest investment. And it's, it's beyond me because my, my kids are, are going to be going to high school next year. And I just look at the curriculums and it seems to me there are no practical applications for things like investing and balancing checkbooks. Not that really any of my our kids are going to carry checkbooks because it's all electronic but generally speaking there there is no practical application for these kids to function on a daily basis and i was the same the joke in my family was oh gwen's got a checkbook she's got money (laughs) yes and it took me years to figure out like oh that's not how this works you know i am not I'm an intelligent person. I get it. I just, you know, it it just wasn't in high importance to me. I just figured, oh, I'll write a check and it'll be covered. Okay. I learned about it in high school, but it it didn't sink in. I don't think it really sinks in until you, you get on your career path and you get on your way and you get that first job and you're getting this, you know, 
money in and you have to figure out what to do with it. Well, you kind of grow up, right? You have rent and you have a car payment, you have insurance. And so I think that's really when it set in for me is, Oh, there's a little more to this than just, you know, speaking about those things, uh, what were the jobs or the careers that you've had in your life up to this time? Um, well, definitely always in a sales and marketing capacity. My first job out of college was I designed and sold commercial mm-hmm. office furniture. So if anybody's familiar with Hayworth, Herman Miller, Steelcase here in the great state of Michigan, um, I did that for eight years. And then I managed salons for a few years. And then I had children and I stayed home for a few years. And ended up getting divorced. So I went from having a career to staying home to being divorced and mm-hmm. no job. So I had to figure out my way all over again. No. Not an easy road. Very, very difficult. Especially as a, I feel as a woman being out of the workforce with that yeah. gap in your resume. Um, something I'm very passionate about. I'm learning that I'm very passionate about is gaps in resumes are not the do all end all to somebody's qualifications for a job. So how did you land this job? How did you get involved in this field? I took this job after my divorce. Um, I kind of did jobs here and there to pay the bills, Mm -hmm. to be closer to my kids. You know, not so much careers, but did what I had to do to just make everything right in my and my kids' world. Well, they're a little older now, so I had the capacity to put a little more time in my career and figure out an actual career, not a job. So I actually worked at another firm, and I met my colleague Joanne there, who founded Boomer, and we just hit it off. Her and I both ended up leaving there when she founded Boomer, and we've been going strong Nice story. Ever since. I like that. Happily ever after. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, very, you know, I just, the universe yep. aligns sometimes. Very similar. She was divorced. Um, you know, she knows how it is. And so we often joke, women can multitask. Moms can multitask. And we just find a way to get it done. you do. It's kind of, uh, you look back and say, wow, how did I do all that? But you did it. You did it. But you do. You don't think about it when you're in it, right? What's been the most threatening to your financial security? My divorce, by far and away. My divorce and being out of the workforce for, I I don't even remember how many years it was. But definitely, um, that's where that gap in the resume comes in. So you, you... I left a career making a very good amount of money with a company car and an expense account to applying for jobs that I could barely get interviews for entry level. So it was, um, it was a long road, but here I am and I love this and I love what I do and Mm -hmm. it's on my terms Mm -hmm. and I'm passionate about it. And And it's a career. And everything that I went through (laughs) has brought me. Yeah, exactly. Everything that I've gone through has brought me here. So I appreciate the road. Not that it was always easy, but exactly for a reason. So do you think you'll ever be retired? I knew you'd answer it that way. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I don't. I just don't think it's possible. Will, will there be a time when I slow down? Sure, and and make it a little more, you know, balanced. Hopefully, someday when my kids get married, maybe I'll have mm-hmm. grandkids. I don't know, but but never retired. I just working with people and helping people is in my blood. So I just can't ever see a time where that's not going to happen. And I'm lucky enough to have a career where I do that. So I also think that people think of the word retired in the traditional sense, which is that you're not working for a living and your, your assets and income streams are sufficient to allow you to have this great life of retirement in leisure and other stuff like that but i don't think anybody anymore really wants that i know a couple people who do but then they get started on it and they're bored to tears so you know this is something that is mentally stimulating it changes day by day for you and it's something that's always a challenge which is a good thing and and I can see how you can say you'd it like is. to slow it down a little bit. But I think that question, uh, every time I've ever asked it of anybody, I get essentially the same answer. No, I don't see myself as being retired. But I want to say with the, the asterisk attached to it, in the traditional sense of what retirement means, I think retirement, as you and I are talking about it, is really a very different scenario than it was. I mean, you can say to yourself, I can slow down, or I can even change careers. I could do something completely different, but I don't see myself sitting on the front porch with a rocking chair or traveling every month to somewhere. Just not my idea of a good time. No. No, and I just I just think in this day and age, how the times have changed. People don't graduate from high school and go to work at GM exactly. and work for 30 years and retire at 55 anymore yep. with a pension. I mean... These poor people are losing their pensions and they're losing their health care. And it's just a different world. So I think you're right. That's twofold. I don't think, honestly, mm-hmm. it's possible for a majority of people. And secondly, I just think people are living so much. There's just a yeah. different way of life now. People don't, you know, at 65, you know, 65 is the new yeah. 45. And, and I agree. It's people at 65 are absolutely active and you know, we do a lot of our platform virtually and people are like, how do you do that? Seniors. <laughs> like, they're awesome. They're like, wait, you mean I don't have to come in? I can just click this and we can talk and I can go golf? Yeah. That's perfect. Sign yep. me up, you know? It's it's just, I think, um, it's just a whole different world. And I love it. I love it. Last I think question. It's great. Would you do anything differently? Any regrets? Okay. No. That takes care of Absolutely not. <laughs> No, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm a big believer in the universe. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe in regrets. I believe in learning experiences. So, okay. Okay. Everything for a reason. All right. With that, and with thanks to my guest, Gwen, Gwen Sherrick Elberson. That's fine. Who is with, uh, you got it. Group.com. Uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you if they would love to use your services. Hint, hint. Hint, hint, right. Absolutely. There is a couple ways you can do it. You can go to our website, www.boomerhealthgroup.com. We encourage you to go and just check it out. 
Um, there's also a link on there to get on any of our guru schedules. So if you want to you want to schedule a consultation, you just put your information in there. It pops up on our schedule and we call you on the day and time that you set. Uh, you can also call our office line at area code 248-871-7756. And any of our gurus will be available to help you and answer any questions Wonderful. that you have. So to all of you in my Power of the Purse community, I hope today's podcast was helpful in enriching your understanding of important financial matters and how some knowledge of money can go a long way to easing the burdens of life. Thanks again, thanks again, Gwen, for sharing your time and knowledge. And until the next time, thanks for listening. And remember, money is not the enemy. Your ignorance of it is. Goodbye. Thanks again, and join us next time to explore more ways you can take control of your finances and your life.